For today's episode of Guest Practices, we talk about speed, creating a speed-savvy culture and ecosystem that fuels success. The fast pace of how we live and work today is driving business into incremental and radical change. Running a business, for example, during the pandemic has accelerated the need to transform and fast-track the must-dos already on the agenda. For example, digital transformation, workforce transformation and more. How organisations and leaders do that while bringing people along with them needs to be unlocked and understood. At the heart of this, executive leaders need to unlearn and relearn the skills most suited for today's modern, fast-paced, digitally fueled workplace. What may have worked in the past certainly won't work for the present and the future workforce, and speed is trumping size as the competitive advantage play. So who better to welcome than Dr. Raman Atri, leader, learning professional, trainer, coach, and author of the book, Speed Matters. Dr. Raman is the king of speed and helps us understand what that means in the business context of today, why it's so important, what to do to speed up in the right way, and how to go about it. Sometimes we even have to slow down to go faster, and in the fast-paced modern workplace, that's a hard thing to master. Let's find out more. Hello and welcome to this episode of Guest Practices. I am joined by Dr. Raman Atri. And for this episode, I really do feel the need, the need for speed. I don't have Goose and Maverick here, but I have the next best thing, the king of speed himself. Dr. Raman, perhaps you can just introduce yourself and what I'm talking about here. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I'm really glad to be at your show. It's my pleasure. Well, my name is Raman, as you just stated. Uh, by training, I'm an engineer, but uh, now I specialize in speed in learning and performance. So fundamentally, I'm a training thought leader at a Fortune 500 company. I work on designing learning programs that help workforce to learn complex skills at an accelerated rate. And at the same time, I also wear another hat, uh, which is performance scientist. I run a research firm called... Uh, ExpertX, where I provide executives and business owners with science-based proven strategies to speed up their performance. So currently I'm based in Singapore. So that's pretty much about me. And tell us a little bit about your book as well. Oh, all right. So the, my latest book is called uh, Speed Matters. So I wrote this book specifically for top leaders, CEOs, and executives to educate them about how they can go speed savvy for the times to come. In this book, I have integrated both research, insight, and business wisdom together. Uh, this book was actually the result of 70 best-in-class organizations I approached. I interviewed 85 best-in-class business leaders from seven countries. These leaders were those who uh, value speed in a lot of different sense as a competitive weapon. Uh, we have seen you know, uh, how many organizations have struggled lately uh, during COVID-19. But at the same time, there were other set of organizations as well uh, who have accelerated the need to transform and fast track. But I think after pandemic is over, several organizations will struggle to recover their lost market share, revenue, and customer. So they need to master the speed. So that leadership process, thought process, is what I had covered in this book, hoping to make that speed as a priority for those who want to stay relevant in the times to come. So in this book, I talk about how to prioritize uh, time to proficiency metrics uh, in their teams and how leaders can bring that language of speed in their organization. So that's pretty much, you know, that's a book about speed matters. 
Excellent. And maybe we can get into a bit more detail there, please, because I find it fascinating. I talk about speed myself because I'm at the uh, head of working around digital transformation, workforce transformation and and speed itself. So perhaps you can go even deeper into explaining what is the nature of speed that we're talking about here in your view and why is it so important now for organizations as competitive advantage as we emerge from the pandemic, as we emerge from years of transformation and uh, look at the modern workplace. That's right. All right. Let me first qualify what type of speed we are talking about. Uh, I think a large majority of leaders see the speed as getting there first. That's their version of speed. So what they do when they have that kind of impression, they press hard for deliverable. They set aggressive timelines. They insist faster task execution or project execution. For a moment, I think it does give an impression of moving fast. You know, there there can be some immediate wins, but it does not lead to a long-term competitive advantage because employees don't have enough time to learn and master. Their learning is half-cooked. The speed I'm talking about here is not getting there first, but getting it right the first time in the shortest possible time. So let me give you an example, you know, kind of elaborate this. You have seen the checkout clerks uh, in a large stores like Walmart or Target, right? So when you note, what you notice there is while they are talking to you, you don't even realize when they have completed that transaction. At times, they don't even bother to look at that barcode, you know. They're so proficient. They make no error. But the transaction per customer is so fast. Still, they don't come across uh, in any kind of mad rush. And you walk out pretty pleased as a customer with that kind of experience. So we are talking about uh, bringing our employees, managers, leaders to that level of consistent, reliable, repeatable mastery where they can deliver the outcomes first time right. So what we get is out of this, better customer satisfaction, faster resolution of problem, a perfect sales pitch. So once we speed up the journey to reach there, the speed of task execution comes out of it automatically without any effort. So that's the kind of speed we are talking about. So I hope I answered your first part of your question, right? You certainly did. And I I think there's something great that's come out of there. That speed to repeatable mastery is a beautiful way of talking about it here. And and I guess I guess when you're talking then around what you've said before, you know, learning, performance, employee development, many organizations actually struggle with this kind of speed that you're talking about. There, there are sort of two schools of thought, aren't there? there? It's like, we just need to be first. We just need to get there. And an 80% solution is okay. And then there are those that said, actually, we need to refine this particular area because we need to be, we need mastery in this area. So, why do some organizations struggle with this type of speed in you know all of these areas we've been talking about, particularly when you're thinking about transformation, innovation, employee development, um, and around the you know the mindset and the culture of the organization itself? Yeah, that, that's a beautiful question, Jeremy. I think before that, uh, when we reach to that level, I think it's very important to really understand as a uh, leadership team that speed, does it really have the competitive advantage? I mean, is it relevant today? I mean, we're talking about a different kind of speed now. We are not talking about pushing our employees, uh, you know, with a aggressive set of timelines. So I think that this speed has become much more relevant now in pandemic. Um, my own experience is that our employees 
struggle to learn new skills as simple as operating this Zoom software, right? So I don't, I think you remember that in the beginning phases, people struggle to even master Zoom. So it, because people were not prepared, because they have been groomed to compete, complete the task fast, not to learn the new skill faster to the level of proficiency. Uh, I'm going to share one uh, research. Deloitte did a research in 2017. Uh, Deloitte is a major consulting firm, as you know. So they did a study of about 10,000 uh, CEOs and executives. So what they found out is that the shelf life of any skill back then in 2017 was 12 months to 18 months. But in pandemic, what has happened is that figure has gone down to three months or even less. That means employees need to learn new skills every three months. But then the question comes is, how long does it take to learn new skills to mastery? Well, in my research, it showed that time is pretty long. For example, uh, Semicon and communication equipment engineer, to reach to that level of mastery, he would take two years to three years. So now we got a cash 22 situation. Shelf life is too short, but the time to mastery is too long. There is another data piece I would like to share here. The time to market was about three years, about a decade ago, I think. But now it is roughly three months for new products and services. Customers are becoming impatient to get new products in their hands sooner. So while we are saying that every three months, your employees need to learn new skills to innovate and be relevant and competitive in the market. So it's a pretty tough situation that, you know, um, most of the organizations have lost substantial market share. They will be highly pressed to recover their position. And only those will survive or stay ahead who can build their employees mastery well before the pandemic is over. And that's why I think speed of employee skill development is the only way to stay ahead in the market. And uh, I think with that stage, I will answer your next question, which is that uh, why um, the organization did not uh, get it uh, right. Was that your question, Jeremy, right? Yes, it is. Yep. All right. Okay. So there are a few things that comes in my mind. You know, I'm going to relate it back to my response. Um, I'm sure that in the COVID-19, you have heard uh, from everyone using this term called accelerate. Let's accelerate digital transformation or let's accelerate performance, accelerate learning, accelerate pro process improvement, so many things, right? Uh, but my perspective is that we don't accelerate unless we measure our current speed quantifiably. And unless we cut out substantial time out from the journey from point A to point B. It's very ironic that every single technology out there gives us timestamp. Still, we lack a good mechanism or instrumentation to measure speed. Not many leaders have paid attention to this lack simply because their focus is task execution. So that's number one that comes in my mind that why they don't get it right. There is another reason what, uh, why they don't get right. That's, I think, educated in our education. That's uh, rooted there our MBA education, executive program, HR strategies, everything is based on one belief. And that belief is that workforce ability, skills, competencies, talent are the key to stay ahead in the market. That was probably true a decade ago, I would say. But now organization across the board hire seems talent pool, right? So the abilities are no longer differentiation. So if we take that equation a little further, more or less every organization out there, they are cash rich, they have resources, 
they work on similar kind of technologies and then they sell to the customer in the same geographies, same markets. So what I see is as a researcher, skills and abilities are no longer differentiators. But the problem is that our top executives still continue to live in the era where skills were the currency. But as Salesforce CEO once said, speed is the new currency in business. Uh, I just remember that I delivered a keynote at HR.com's largest conference. It was, there was about 600 HR leaders. So one of the topmost at CHRO said, time to proficiency makes so much sense to me, but I'm wondering why I never thought about this before. That's pretty profound, right? There is an education gap. So when we take skills and ability as our market differentiation, then whenever there is a problem like you lost a customer or contract, your logical response will be to give employees more training. I'm a training leader at a Fortune 500 corporation. I manage the world's best training center. I can say confidently that training departments are ill-equipped to develop workforce for speed. Giving more skill will take only a you, you know, little bit far, but the real strategy should be to give skills at a faster rate. So that was another thing why organization didn't get it right because there's the education gap. But then I'm also gonna bring in the point which I brought in the beginning of uh, you know, the conversation, that's about mad rush. Deloitte study, which I was talking about, they mentioned that worldwide executive back then said speed and agility were far more important to them than efficiency. But most organizations still don't learn. They continue to focus on efficiency rather than speed. They keep going for the mad rush to accomplish things quickly. That was okay, I think, in Industry 3.0. But in Industry 4.0, the efficiency is already the primary goal of automation and technologies like AI. If machines can do it faster than humans, more efficiently, why keep chasing the wrong kind of speed? So let's rather focus on building those skills of employees at a faster rate, which are the only thing which human can do better, better than machines. So those were my observations in regards to why our organization did not get the speed right. I hope I answered your question, Jeremy. Yes, yeah, so much rich detail there. And, I, and I've made copious notes here, um, which, which I've learned from as well. And that first thing that you said about that mastering Zoom and about what we're doing is quite right, because halfway through that as well, I even forgot about the mute button again. And it's only been 18 months that I've been using it every day. It's crazy, isn't it? Um, but yes, I love this, what you're talking about, the shelf life, uh, the shelf life of how we used to see skills and the fact that we need to rapidly upskill and adapt to certain things that are happening even the uncertain and unpredictable and you can't teach that you know so it's dealing with speed in a way because i think there's a tension also here because there is the the adage uh fail fast fail early fail forward uh yeah. which is in essence a speed driven activity but you have mm -hmm. to learn from it so that other catch 22 is is the is speed to speed to proficiency um maybe two years as you said or it may be sort of one year but you've just got to go for it and you've got to learn rapidly from it as much as anything else so i can see why you're putting learning and performance together here as well um and the fact that then you know the the that we're not even measuring speed and it's not really been in our in our vernacular in organizations um until maybe recently for some but not enough 
is really interesting. Uh, speed is the new currency, not necessarily skills. I really like that, particularly if we think about the blended workforce with the with the opportunity to hire not just permanent but independent workers at a certain skills level or proven level. Originally, it's, it starts to think in a skills way. So it got me thinking when you were talking there. And I know we've been connected for many years. I know you do a lot of research in this. So from the research that you've done, and particularly some of the examples in your book, you know, what are some of the tips and traps that um, that you can share with modern leaders and organizations when adopting a speed savvy culture? Sure, Jeremy. Yeah, you made good uh, comments uh, on my response. So yeah, those are profound. Thank you so much for observing those details behind uh, my statements. Appreciate it. So let me divide the answer to this question into two parts. So I think first we can talk about traps and then we'll touch upon some key tips, okay? So there are, I think, major three traps which I notice in my research as well as in my experience. At surface, uh, those uh, seems like uh, enabling speed. That's why I call them as traps. But in reality, what I found is they actually pull down the pace. Number one is training. This might be very interesting, in fact. Uh, in my research, I had several sales functions had who participated. One financial service and call center, they used to hire cost agents to answer the questions of customers, and uh, they would help them buy the right product over the phone. All right? So logically, they made these agents try to remember everything, every single detail about every single product they had. So it resulted in massive 11 weeks of training, very intensive morning till evening training, instructor-led with a lot of paper, pen type of assessment to check memories on the product features. What they were doing is they were trying to stuff the training program with just-in-case content. That has no relevance. And they hardly spent any time on how to interact with the customer because they were busy so much with the content. And after 11 weeks, these agents would need another three months to reach the stage where they know exactly where the answer to those questions are and to become you know, completely fluid in their performance. That's the danger of poorly designed training. It actually slows down the speed because in most organizations, they have simply copied uh, the training from academic templates. Too content-focused, topic-wise, classroom-style, more memory-focused training. Training is the solution to the faster readiness. That's a misconception, and that's the trap. That's the number one that comes in my mind. The second trap is about the behaviors of the managers. The global inter um, leaders I interviewed, they said they had to fix the manager first before they could bring speed-enabling culture in their teams. In most job roles, managers can't even define or quantify the proficiency they expect from their employees. And then they don't even know how to measure speed. If we don't measure speed, how do we know how slow or fast we are going? That was the trap number two. In most organizations, managers are overly hands-off because they got tons of work of making slides, uh, making big Excel sheet, attending meetings. They don't have time to interact with their employees, which should be their number one priority, by the way. So they leave their employees at the mercy of training departments, expecting trainers to be some sort of magicians who would produce a fully productive employee within a few weeks. That's where employees don't feel supported, and that further slows them down. 
uh, I presented this key idea in one of the large conferences. And, uh, you know, I said, if everything is equal, like resources, technology, cash, peers, then managers are either the biggest enablers or they are the biggest disablers for the speed. I know most managers wouldn't want to be called as disablers or decelerators of speed, but that's the hardcore reality. That's the big trap we have. We, we believe that managers do support employees, but in reality, they are busy with lots of other things that they don't have time to pay attention to their employees. So that was trap number two. There's third trap also, and that one also gonna come a little bit surprised, what I call technologies. I have spoken to several conferences and one feedback I have unanimously gotten uh, that leaders don't even know which technology indeed would help speed or it will help speed up time to proficiency. Most of the technologies are meant for speed of work, not for speed of employee development. So that lack of focus is another trap. The problem is that most technologies are implemented for process or work or task efficiency. Those are either to track people's work or to reduce manual work. And there is another factor, I think. People who buy the technology, they are not the one responsible for employee development or speed, what we are talking about here. So you see, there is a disconnect. So I think those were the kind of traps. I think I said enough about traps. I would like to take a pause here. If you have any follow-up question about the trap before I move uh, before I open up my Pandora box of tips I have for leaders, how they can get it, uh, get out of those traps. Well, I, I think what I would say is it, it just resonates hugely with me. It's all about putting the word almost appropriate in front of everything that you said, appropriate training, appropriate measurements, appropriate management actions, um, and appropriate ways of doing business are what is going to make this go forward in a more positive way. If you don't have any of those that get in the way, and I totally get what you're talking about management, the way that management have become super administrators, problem solvers, away from um, where they perhaps could add way more value around support, growth mindset, coaching culture, all of those things are all inhibitors to what you're talking about speed here. And we saw that at the beginning of the pandemic, Many of the organizations that weren't ready failed because they over-diarized, they filled their people's calendars with meetings because they were trying to find a purpose for themselves. They didn't know was the way forward. So maybe we need some of your tips now then, Dr. Raman. Yeah, certainly, certainly. Uh, Jeremy, I am in the process of writing a book. Uh, its title is Get There Faster. So where I uh, talk about 24 strategies to get the speed right. But for your audience, I'm going to give this sneak peek about three tips. I think that will be more relevant here. So my first tip for executive is to rely less on training. I think I'm repeating the same argument again. And I'll give you one example. During the pandemic, some of the semicon, industrial machinery repair or elevator repair, even equipment repair organization, they use some of the innovative technologies like uh, they use augmented smart glasses for brand new technicians. Because during pandemic, they didn't have a way to send them for any training. They, these guys' training center was somewhere else. The travel was needed. A lot of restrictions were there. So they used these smart glasses, sent them to the real job on day one. These smart gla glasses come with an augmented display. 
um, where you can access procedure, documentation, videos without need, you know, actually needing to click anywhere. So then you need to, you know, you have the ability to connect with the network of coaches who can see what you see as a technician. So see, you know, uh, it's a far better model than going through a training class. It provides information, procedure, knowledge, coaching, learning, peer support, instruction, all at one place. So if you have that kind of resources in front of you, uh, and if you have a qualifying degree, right, a reasonable education to you know, understand this different pieces, who needs training if you can create that kind of tech ecosystem? The result in some of these organizations they got is roughly 50% reduction in time to proficiency. So imagine they now mastering, the technicians are becoming mastering 50% lesser time compared to the traditional model of sending them to a training center. So as I said before, training is a trap. So don't rely uh, on training to build the proficiency of your employees. Training does only one thing. It delivers knowledge and skills, and probably it gives you initial readiness. But my point is that training does not build realistic performance, what's required to demonstrate proficiency. If training is not giving your employees realistic performance and not adding to the speed of time to proficiency, then why do it? You better replace it with performance support technologies, knowledge repository, on-the-demand mobile learning, and things like that. Because when people fetch the information at the point of need, when they pull and learn the things they need, when they need as much as they need, guess what? Their learning is much faster and they produce outcomes much faster. So that was my tip number one. Don't rely on training too much. Uh, I know that as a training leader, I shouldn't be saying it. But you know, in my research, that was the number one thing that as a leader, we shouldn't really rely on training because training is not a complete solution. So that's uh, kind of number one. The second tip uh, for leaders I have is that uh, focus on the entire journey not events or activities. Uh, let's take an example. When you go to a burger joint or a sandwich restaurant, you order a nice burger. When it comes, you don't care how the guys executed each step to make it. You don't care how precisely this guy cut the lettuce or how beautifully he placed the tomato on top of patty. Those are activities. So being good at those activities has no relevance to your experience of getting a delicious burger. So same way, focus on the total journey of your employees, your managers, and your leaders, and focus on their ability to produce outcomes proficiently and provide them with the intervention, support, coaching, assessment to achieve those outcomes, not the mastery of steps for the outcome. Assess them for those outcomes that matter. Don't assess them for the steps, tasks, or events. Uh, one organization in my research, uh, they focused on teaching engineers every single skill they might need. So the result was the engineers took 53 weeks to become masters. It's a horribly long time, right? But then later on, they realized that over half of the skills they were teaching them, those events were not even happening for the last five years. So no point focusing on those activities which are, they are not going to use. So when you focus on outcome and on the total journey to reach the outcome, they, they basically slash 26 weeks out of the equation. So imagine that we're talking about big corporation, millions of dollars of saving here. 
So I hope this example can drive home the point I was trying to make. So that was my second tip. So my last tip, third tip is to create a speed enabling ecosystem. I think I need to qualify the speed enabling ecosystem, what it is, but I'll do with an example. So there was one software company in the US and they hired 1800 offshore software engineers in Thailand. But uh, they faced with a challenge that their European and American software engineers, they didn't support these uh, 1800 new hires because there was a risk they of losing their jobs. So they resorted not to help them. So the training and all the things they put it in plan, that didn't work. So ultimately the company had only one choice. They had to put a speed enabling ecosystem to shorten time to proficiency of these the new hires. And when they did it, they saved 45,000 hours worth of time. So if you see your employees don't work in isolation, they work with each other. So when there is a problem, they seek help from immediate peers. They need coaching sometimes. They need very targeted training for specific skills. Sometimes they simply need to seek advice and reuse what's already exist in the company. Sometimes they need automation by some technology. So while they are going through all this, they need to be working on assignment and projects that matter to produce outcome, not simply do this task or that task. That means their manager needs to provide them project assignment and support in every in a very targeted fashion by focusing on the complete journey. So all this needs to happen within a job environment where I observed that there were six elements working in harmony with each other. Those six elements are number one, peers, coaches, managers, technologies, subject matter experts, and the job environment itself. Now, some may argue that these elements are everywhere in every single job. What's the big deal? I think presence of these elements alone uh, does not ensure speed. When your frontline managers tell their direct report something like this, go sit with Joe, and if Joe is not available, then go and sit with Jim. And then he leaves it pretty much to Jim and Joe. That's not going to speed up anything. That's actually going to slow them down. right? So designing a speed-enabling ecosystem is all about leadership and strategy. It's about entire journey to reach consistent outcomes in a faster time. So all those six elements which I mentioned need to be designed in terms of how they will support employees throughout the journey. What needs to happen is, once you have designed the complete hiring to proficiency journey, you need to strategically design a few things where you will involve coaches, not one, but several of them. Most of the time, managers or leaders, they get it wrong is they only assign one coach or two coaches. But in fact, in an organization, you're going to need network of coaches. You're going to need to think of where will you hold them accountable? Where will you involve technology and automation? Where will you set up social learning forums for them? Where will you bring experts or star performers? Where will you assign the realistic projects? So all those things need to come in, in form of an ecosystem that surrounds the employees. So I hope I gave enough depth to my account of tips and traps, uh, Jeremy. Most certainly have. And uh, and it's fascinating, Dr. Raman. I, 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 you know, I firmly believe that word appropriate comes up again, the appropriate training or support that, that needs to be there. And something that resonated in that learning approach is something that I'm championing a lot of at the moment, which is the consumerization of learning, which is exactly as you describe it. It's learning at the point of need, which is pulled 
from the individual, from a resource, which would be part of that ecosystem, actually, that you talk about there, so that they can get what they need in terms of the knowledge. They can be supported by the manager in terms of the skill or the speed that they that they need to go at. And I think that would help. And that makes total sense when you said the next thing, which is the focus on the overall journey rather than the individual steps because what is ultimately the outcome and therefore you know what is the what how can we compress the bits in between there to to move it forward fascinating and you're right you know in order to do that you have to have not a series of systems and platforms you need an ecosystem you need something that glues everything together with the appropriate digital tools with the human touch which drive the ultimate in collaboration and co-support around this. So I think it's absolutely makes total sense to me uh, and fascinating. So thank you very much for the, for the response on that. And we've got time for one more question around this as well, because it makes so much sense when we're talking about speed to proficiency, speed to performance, speed to learning, you know, all of these kind of things. So what are the benefits for leaders and organizations getting it right? And what are the risks for those too slow? Yeah, all right. I think you said it right. It makes common sense. It's like, a, you know, it makes so much sense to everyone that uh, speed up, let's speed up the part of proficiency. That should be the first thing every training intervention or every HR process should target at. Uh, so let me first elaborate on the risks of going slow. And then I think we'll turn it around uh, what benefits some organization have garnered by just focusing on speed to proficiency. So I'm going to take a Two example, one for the risk, one for the, maybe the, for the, I, I think probably is the same example. So one large American financial institution, they had a call center agents. Their job was to sell financial products to clients or phone. So they found that the time to proficiency of their agent was one year. That seems reasonable because financial institutions have a range of financial products to sell. There's, they have regulatory component compliance also they need to pass certain lengthy mandatory certification so it takes time you know to master all those the problem is this that the employee is now waiting for one year before they hear from their managers that okay you know what now you're ready to contribute productively to the company that simply delays giving the sense of achievement to the individual the result is despite all those glorified uh, engagement surveys and action Half of the agent won't even wait till the end of the year. They will leave. So they imagine 50% turnaround. Now you hire a new set of people, then cycle them back again. And executives will keep hammering HR and recruitment about retention. They keep hammering direct manager about engagement score. Problem never goes away. But then again, you know, during the first year, uh, if they stay, if they don't leave, there is an investment in training, coaching, supervision, while they're still on that journey. So they are losing millions of dollars of sales opportunities. So there was a risk of losing customer satisfaction if they decide to put them onto the real call. And guess what happens if they make errors? We're talking about banking sector. It could invite legal issues, right? The customer don't wait. They would go somewhere else. So it's a lost revenue. So it's a two-edged sword, I say. So at an individual level, one year does not sound too bad, I think. But here's the problem. They had... 10,000 agents. Now, if you multiply it, it become 10,000 person years problem. It's so worrisome, right? But the CSO, the CEOs are never told the problem that way. They are too busy measuring the activities like uh, time to sale. 
call duration, number of cold call made, customer call rating score, and things like that. So now if you don't do anything about such a big problem, you risk at, on every front, right? Uh, it has an impact on non-financial factors like retention, engagement, customer satisfaction, customer loyalty. And then it also impacts the financial factors like liability issues, training, investment, lost opportunity, and most of all, losing the market share. I hope I painted the picture well uh, as far as the risks are concerned. I'll pause for a while before I elaborate the benefits. Yeah, I, I'm, I've been writing furiously as you've been talking about that because I, I kind of love that point. You know, the, the point to make it to organizations is, you know, one year sounds reasonable for one employees. But if you've got those, you talked about those 1800 new um, technicians in Thailand in your last example. Yeah. Um, well, that's 1800 years to get to proficiency (laughs) as a multiplier. And when you say it like that, it's like, right, I get it now. We need to do something that that compresses this this overall journey and brings these people through and as a as a as a co-supporting ecosystem with management who are repurposed to really drive that forward. Totally get it. So yes, uh, absolutely. So what are the benefits? If we get it right. (laughs) Okay. All right. I'll pick the example of another sales role because I think a sales role is very easy to understand across the board. Uh, So uh, in my research, I had this uh, one organization. They were producing this uh, high-tech communication equipment like enterprise infrastructure, servers, those kind of things. So they had highly qualified sales engineers. So part of their job is to negotiate with the upper management in the client organization, decision makers, because these were very expensive, multi-million dollar uh, capital hardware we're talking about. So fundamentally, they needed far higher level of sales skills, I would say. So it also means that they will spend quite a time understanding technological products, ecosystem, connections, building relationship, company policy, and things like that. On an average, each engineer was taking 24 weeks to become proficient at that level. So imagine if that happened during COVID, when clients were demanding faster upgrade of their infrastructure, this company would have been out of business simply because to scale it up, they had to wait 24 weeks for a new sales engineer to come up to speed. And that's a a drastically long time uh, if we take in context of COVID-19, what happened. So this organization, they instituted what I call the speed enabling ecosystem. And by doing that, what they did is they shortened the time to proficiency to 12 weeks for new hires, and six weeks for the seasoned uh, sales engineers, those who were serving some other product earlier. The result is this, pretty interesting result that we got is that they achieved, I think about $2 million additional net profit per seller over and above what they used to get. And then they, there were a very interesting outcome as well. Compared to the population, which was achieving the quota each quarter earlier, Now they had about 25% more engineers achieving that quota every quarter. So now the the amount of population that was delivery result is already raised by 25%. So imagine, you know, once that happens, it will wipe clean the competition by a large margin, unless competitors are equally smart to invest in their speed to proficiency of their engineers. So, but this company, they will get the head start you know, far, far ahead of the game. Eventually, you know, every competitor will wake up, but it will be a long distance for them to cover. 
they will need even much they will even need much faster speed <laughs> compared to this company to catch up right so that's why i think uh, speed to uh, speed of employee proficiency is such a devastating competitive weapon so guess uh, who is going to stay ahead the chain of benefit company ripe are many like higher engagement because people are producing result they feel sense of achievement they get the higher retention higher productivity more revenue better customer satisfaction more market share and far more superior skills of the staff seriously competitive talent we can say so that's how i kind of you know saw the benefit and this was just one example and i had 70 organization in my research so imagine the range of benefits we can get i hope that uh, reply did the justice on both side of the risk of slow progress as well as the benefit of going for speed and proficiency it most certainly did dr raman and it, it, it's a good point for me to say that it's a, a really strong recommendation you know having having seen what you've done and the research that you that's gone into your book to recommend to others to get that book have a read and very easy to dip in and look at some of these these different examples um yeah. uh, as you wish but i i love what you talked about there the potential return that that return per head it's an exponential gain which is there as much as we were talking about an exponential risk this is what we're talking about with speed so leaders and managers getting on board with speed and asking the questions about how do we create a speed enabling culture how do we support it what are the things that we need to take out of our current system what do we how do we need to reinvent the way we do things to to really drive this i think uh, um you know some fantastic glimpses and insights that you've provided for us so it, it, in order to go further because we've come to the end of our session here but in order to go further i know you first of all that you've got uh, you've got something for people to download which is great which i'll let you explain and then i'd like you to uh, you, you say you know where can people get hold of you to talk about this more um and get hold of your book All right. All right. So thank you so much, Ravi. It's my pleasure that uh, I was able to answer some of your thought-provoking questions. Thank you so much. Uh, so uh, I think um, now I, I will be able to share one resource with uh, your audience where they can get six practices how they can bring speed in their settings. So those six practices are the what I saw universally across the organization in different industries applicable. and once they understand that the hub, what six practices that they need to implement they will be ready for bringing speed as a culture it's going to take time it's, it's a long shot it takes several months of uh, slow change i would say but having that education in regards to what really works when we are talking about speed enabling culture i think it's going to help your organization i think at the end of this uh, session we can provide them a link where they can download that report so that will be one resource for for uh, people to read uh, my book is available uh, in fact uh, all, almost all the uh, marketplaces i think mostly people these days buy on amazon but otherwise available on most booksellers and they just need to kind of search uh, speed matters by dr raman and that i think is the only book available there in amazon uh, so that will be and i would recommend that it, it comes in a lot of different edition there is a hard bound library edition with a nice jacket that might be worth keeping on your shelf for a long time 
And uh, of course, what we've also done is we've also put here on the screen for you all watching at the moment, uh, the links. So those of you listening, if you go onto YouTube, you can also watch this and you can see the links there and you can download this. Uh, so that'd be fantastic to get those six tips as next step. So look, I'd love to thank you so much, Dr. Raman, for joining me today. It's been fascinating and something that we don't talk about enough. So great to kick off that conversation and i hope people get in touch with you to find out more because for me it's been a real learning knowing you and reading about the kind of research that you're doing behind this and i see the total sense thank you so much for joining me jeremy it was my pleasure on being your on your show thank you so much for inviting i really appreciate it thank you and goodbye thank you Thank you for joining our guest practices video cast. Please do subscribe to our YouTube channel through the link below or check out our website to access more in our current series of expert interviews.